last week, uh, who was here last week? Quite a few, that's, that's great. Last week, um, Al was um, speaking to us um, on the topic of uh, renewal. Um, if I, I'm not going to attempt to recap his whole his whole sermon, it was it was very good. I found it very helpful, um, and um, I recommend listening to it um, online um, when it comes available. He was talking about the idea of renewal uh, in quite a quite a broad sense, and gave us a wonderful kind of story through the through the Bible uh, of what that idea of renew, renewal and God doing things again, um, and the fact that God isn't just a God who has done things a long time ago, but he's a God who's alive and living and active. Um, and it was quite wide in scope, but I, I wanted to pick up on the very middle um, of, his, of his sermon uh, today. Um, in the middle of his sermon, there we go, um, he, there was a slide that looked a lot like this, uh, where he was talking about uh, personal renewal um, and the idea that we can be uh, renewed ourselves. And there, and there was a few scriptures there that he went through. And there was a particular one in the middle uh, in Romans that I want to pick up on today. Um, the other thing that um, uh, Al helpfully, uh, I, I found very helpful that Al talked about, was the idea, there's two meanings of the word new, which forms the word renewal. Um, and there, in English, we have one word new, which just means both of these, which is not very helpful. But he talks about the idea of if you were buying a car, you could buy a new car, as in one that's literally just been made. Uh, or you could say, I've got a new car because you've just got an old car, but it's new to you. And particularly in this Romans passage that we'll just look at, um, Paul is talking, Paul the author is talking about that second idea, that the fact that it's n- there's something new about our minds in this case because uh, there's something different. So um, I'm just going to look at uh, Romans 12, which hopefully is up there, um, which says this, the, the beginning of Romans 12. It says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so in the middle there, the, the, the verse that I put in bold, you have this idea of, of having our minds renewed, which our helpfully um, had that definition of thinking differently in light of what you believe. And that's what I want to pick up on this morning, um, the idea of thinking differently to the world particularly uh, in light of what we believe um, and not being conformed to the patterns that are perhaps perhaps at work in in this world. Um, Now, if if Paul Paul is speaking to the Roman church in this uh, particular letter in the book of Romans, I think that if he was speaking to the church today, I think he'd have quite a bit to say about some of the patterns um, that, this w- that, are, that are at work in this world. Um, and that's what I want to try and do, is try and look at what Paul is saying to the Roman church and, and work out how that might apply to us uh, today in, in light of some of the patterns. So I want to talk about some of these patterns, a particular one um, which is well illustrated by this recent um, well-known uh, piece of artwork by uh, the graffiti artist Banksy, which has... I don't think he gives his 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 pieces particular titles because um, he just puts them on walls in streets. But uh, it's commonly known on the internet as mobile lovers. 
Um, and the, this is a good illustration of one of the main patterns that I would like to talk about uh, today, which is the idea of um, technology uh, and the effect that it has our relationships. So in this picture, which clearly illustrates two people in some kind of intimate relationship, you know, they're embracing one another, and yet they've got their smartphones, that's where their attention is, is their attention is elsewhere, and in particular here on a piece of technology. Um, and the irony of, one of the ironies of this, pi of this picture is that the phone in particular as a piece of technology was, was designed to connect us. Um, so that's what it's there for, it's there to, it's there to connect people. But the irony of, of this example is that the danger is that it is in fact causing disconnection. Um, and that's the choice I want to talk about today, really, is, is how was that choice that we're making between connection uh, and disconnection um, in our lives. Um, because we are, we are created to be uh, in relationship. Um, we're created to have relationships in, in community. We're made in the image of a God who, from eternity past, is this perfect family and relationship. Um, that's a whole other sermon there about the Trinity, but I'll leave that to Jamie. Um, to, so today I want to kind of pick up on these, these words of connection and disconnection, which I've deliberately picked because they have both a kind of focus in technology where they use, and they also have a focus in, uh, in relationships. And I want to talk about how those two. Um, so my aim this morning, and you can tell me then whether I've achieved it, is to help us recognize some of these patterns, in particular in relation to technology, patterns of how the world works and how the world wants us to think, um, bring them into the light of the gospel of what we, of what we actually believe, um, so that hopefully we'll be equipped to renew our minds, in our definition, to, to think differently um, and to act differently uh, in light of what we believe. Um, so in, in Romans, Paul talks about, he has this idea of renewing your mind but also offering your body as a sacrifice. So there's that two aspects of thinking differently, but then actually acting differently um, as well. So, um, to step back uh, for a moment and just give you a bit of an insight into me and why this is important to me, um, I am a geek um, and quite proud of that. Um, I am a Star Wars geek, I am a Marvel Cinematic Universe geek. I'm a West Wing geek, but fundamentally I am a technology geek. So I, I love technology, I enjoy new technology, I enjoy gadgets, um, I enjoy working uh, with computers and, and technology. Um, and technology for me has always been a language that I felt quite comfortable speaking. I've grown up with technology in my life and I get on well with it. Um, and my job, uh, for those of you who don't know, you normally see me kind of, you know, singing and playing the guitar here. But m I don't spend most of my life play singing and playing guitar. I actually spend most of my life um, as a software developer. Um, if you don't know what that means, then if you've got one of these, then the, the, um, those little squares on your phone, okay, that, that's what I do. That's what I build. So I build apps and I build other software, um, which I've been doing for... About I started doing that before there were smartphones, if you remember such a time. Uh, before the, um, so, so I've got some background there, and as a result, I'm, I'm passionate about technology. So this is not, this morning I'm not kind of standing up and saying, uh, technology is bad, let's all 
kind of go and become you know monks and not use technology because I'm very passionate about technology but at, at my job we often talk uh, in the company I work for we often talk about this phrase making technology work for people um, and we talk about not having technology for technology's sake but using technology well to serve people and to help people do things um, better and to help people spend more time doing things that are important to them um, and ultimately technology that is working for people and not forcing people to work for technology the other way around. Um, and so um, in, in, in light of that, um, when I look at pictures um, like this, like this Banksy um, thing, or the, the technologist in me is excited about technology. But there's a point where the worship leader in me uh, comes up and says, uh, no. <laughs> this is the, the, we, we're reaching a point in society often where, where technology has too high a place. And the Bible has a very clear word for things that are good, or that can be good, but that become the ultimate, and the Bible calls them idols. Um, because ultimately they cause a breakdown in our relationship with God or our relationship with other people, and they become too important. Um, so... I think that if Paul was writing to us today, then I think he would also say no <laughs> um, and want to kind of speak into some of these, some of these patterns and help us adjust, adjust our thinking about the place that technology maybe has in our lives uh, or the place that really anything that comes uh, in the way of our relationships um, would do that. Um, uh, this is where going, um, the context of what Paul is writing to the author of Romans uh, really helps us. Um, so the, the Roman church at the time was made up of um, Jewish Christians who'd kind of grown up in the Jewish religion and people and what they call Gentile Christians who didn't have a background uh, in, in kind of religion in that way. And there were two very different groups of people. And Paul is primarily writing in to that to try and bring some unity because they had they were, they were, they have very different backgrounds. So there were plenty of things that were getting in the way of their relationships. There were plenty of things that, were, that would potentially cause division. And Paul is writing into that to try and uh, help them with that. And the book of Romans is kind of constructed in two halves. The first bit is this is what God has done, and the second half is this is how we should be living in, in response to that, which is, is very relevant to what I want to say this morning in terms of us thinking this is what we believe, this is what God has done, and this is how some things that, that might come out of that. Um, so I think that Paul, um, in, in looking um, again at this, uh, at this passage in Romans 12, um, to pick up on a few phrases, I think Paul would point out that there are patterns uh, of this world that divide, uh, that, that can divide and disconnect us, um, and that we are meant to be um, uh, a community uh, that reflects something else. Uh, we're meant to be people that, that reflect something else. As he says at the very beginning in verse 1, in view of God's mercy uh, is, is the way that we're, that we're called to live. Um, at this point, I'm going to take a, a very slight aside um, just to talk about um, uh, the reality of Bible in in today's society. So I've recently, in the last few months, I've started doing something controversial. Uh, I've started bringing my Bible to church. <laughs> uh, 
which sounds silly, but the reality is there was a while where I stopped bringing a Bible up to church because I have one of these, a smartphone. Um, and I was like, well, why do I, you know, I've got access to my Bible all the time. Why do I need to? Um, and having your Bible on your phone is wonderful. Um, it has uh, the access that technology potentially gives us to God's word uh, in, in this age is, is just unprecedented. So I have multiple Bible apps on my phone. They give me access to the Bible in different languages. They give me access to the original Greek and Hebrew if I want to go that far. Um, they let me search the Bible if I've forgotten where things are or if I'm thinking about certain things. I think, what do I, what do I want the Bible? What, what does the Bible say about this? Um, um, and uh, yeah, and it's just always with me. So I'm, ca- I'm carrying God's word around with me the whole time, which is a wonderful, wonderful gift. Um, there are some challenges that come along with that if that's the primary or the only way that we relate to God's word. Um, the reality of a lot of digital information is that our lives are just flooded with digital information. Okay, So do, uh, hands up here if you read uh, all of the emails you get uh, from top to bottom uh, in their entirety and take in all the information. Does anybody do that? Okay. Do you when you go to a news website? Okay. Does anyone um, read the all the headline articles from kind of top to bottom in in detail? Do people tend to do that? No. So one of the patterns that 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 can often happen is that because we have so much access to digital information, your brain just goes into like skim reading mode. Okay. That you're just like I've got so much information. I'm just picking out the bits that are relevant to me. Um, that's not a helpful way to approach the Bible. Um, that's not why God's word was given to us. So the Bible is not a kind of, is the Bible is not arranged in nice like BBC News bullet, kind of sentences that are easy to digest. The Bible is a rich history of God's people and what he's done. It's full of stories. It's full of songs. Um, and one of the challenges of having both access to digital Bibles and maybe consuming it on your smartphone is that you can't, you can't read a lot of the Bible in, in this. So you, it, it can lead you to just kind of pick out individual verses and take them out of context. Um, and the Bible is meant to be understood as a, as a big story. Um, and there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with just, you know, with, with focusing on, one, on particular verses. But if that's the only way that we're interacting with the Bible, then we're missing the connection with God that it's meant to be provided. Because the Bible is not uh, God Wikipedia. Um, it's not where you go to think, right, I think the Bible says something like this. I'm going to search for it. Yes, I found some words in the Bible that says that. So I am. Um, that's not how we are called to approach the Bible. The Bible is our primary way of engaging with the living God. It's his revealed word to us. And we need to be giving the time and the space that a relationship like that deserves uh, with his word. So um, I love Bible apps, but that's just a word on thinking and some of the patterns uh, there. Um, I'd like to talk about um, social media. My technology is slightly failing me. It's the great irony of this. There you go. Um, Social media. Excuse me while I just have a drink. So... I tell a bit of my story and my own interaction with social media, and maybe you recognize some of these things. So Facebook. Um, I joined Facebook uh, quite a long time ago when I was at university. 
uh, in the early days when it was actually, Facebook started off as kind of like an online yearbook that you could only access if you um, were a member of like an educational institution. It wasn't the global monstrosity that it is today. That's another sermon. Um, and uh, initially, Facebook offered so much promise. There was this thing in Facebook where it, you had a number next to your profile of like how many people you were connected to. And the aim was to like just keep searching for as many people as, as you vaguely knew and get this number. It was like, you know, you had competitions, university, how high was your like connectedness number? And so there was this great potential of being, of being connected. Um, but as time went on, and I personally, I don't really use Facebook anymore because what I, what I found was that instead of this potential of disconnection, um, there were patterns that started affecting me where I'd in fact just be actually disconnecting from the people that I was supposedly friends with on Facebook. So I would, rather than read, the reality of Facebook is that people feel, uh, because people feel quite open to share things about their lives, uh, which is potentially a positive. Uh, but there are two responses you can make there. When you see someone sharing about something about their life on Facebook, um, there's an opportunity for you to make a connection Okay, but the opportunity is really outside of the, the best opportunity for connection is that you read something about someone and you think, As this is happening in their lives, so I'll pick up the phone, or I'll go around and see them, or I'll pray for them. Um, and those are the opportunities that for the connection that that kind of thing is, it, is it's meant to be a tool for actual relationships. Whereas what I would find is that it's too easy to see something that someone's written and have two other different responses. One is to, is to immediately judge them because you don't you can't you forget that there's a person behind these things that's that's one of the challenges of technology is that technology comes in between it's meant to connect you to the person but if you're not careful it will actually distance you from that person and so you start judging people and you start thinking oh I wouldn't have done that or they shouldn't be saying that online um or if they're saying something amazing you think well my not my life's not like that um and instead of engaging in a conversation you, you take a step back and you think, well, I, I'm glad I'm not like that or I wish I was not like that. So that's, that's not really specific to Facebook, that's a general, but that's what I found because that was one of the first social networks I was part of um, for a long time. And so uh, I moved to Twitter. So Twitter um, promises a lot more. T Twitter is potentially the great leveler because it gives you access to people you wouldn't normally have access to. So I can follow movie stars and I can follow like really famous people. I can follow the President of the United States, so that I wouldn't recommend that. Um, and you've got this idea where it's quite short bits of information, so you're limited. So there's a kind of art to just come out with pithy sayings and, uh, and trying to do that. Um, but one of the th th patterns that I saw in Twitter, um, and the thing that dr finally drove me off Twitter was, uh, was Brexit, um, because there's the tendency for triviality. The kind of shortness and discreteness of, of Twitter means, again, in a similar way I was talking about Bible apps, you don't have the space or the time to actually develop um, healthy arguments or a back and forth. Um, there's, there's a phrase that's, that's well, often applied to, um, to Twitter, uh, came up by this researcher um, called Godwin's Law, um, which says... Um, as an online discussion grows longer, the probability of a comparison involving Nazi or Nazis or Hitler involves one, um, which, is, um, which is to say that 
because there isn't the space for healthy discussion, often these discussions, people are just presenting things as very black and white. And eventually, because there's no space, someone has to just throw in this like atom bomb of, you know, something really inflammatory or comparing something to something really awful, which just ends the conversation. Um, and that's a, that's a common uh, pattern that happens with something like Twitter, where you haven't got the space to have proper uh, connection. Um, and finally, and most recently, Instagram. So my struggles with Twitter, um, I thought within Instagram, Instagram is about photos. It's about putting photos, sharing photos primarily. And I thought, well, you know, the limitations of Twitter, a photo speaks a thousand words. So you've immediately got much more potential for, for communicating and connecting. Um, and I really enjoy photography. So uh, one of the ways that I most experience awe with God is in his creation and is just seeing the amazing things that he's created. And I love to kind of capture them and share them. But the, the challenge um, then comes is you then are being invited to kind of share your life online. The challenge then is that you actually just become then disconnected from your real life. So for me, I realized that I spent a lot of the time, instead of enjoying the moment, I would think, oh, I need to capture this for Instagram. I need to kind of you know, document this, otherwise it didn't happen, maybe. Or, um, and that's a, that's a danger there, that you are, instead of it's, it, it ha making a connection, that you're then somehow disconnected from where, where you are. Um, my friend um, John Jerome, who is a much better photographer than, than I and used uh, Instagram quite a lot, he shared a story with me that he'd, um, he'd kind of stepped away from Instagram because for him as a photographer, he realized he'd stopped taking photos that he wanted to take and he was taking photos that he thought other people would like to see. Um, and, and so he, he, had to, he stopped doing that for a while because that wasn't helpful. That wasn't why he, he, he took photos. Um, a lot of my kind of thinking around this kind of stuff has been inspired by being a dad. So um, this is another sermon that I don't have time for, but um, the idea of being, being brought out, out of a moment and not being present for, for my children is what, has affected a, a, lot, a lot of my thinking. Um, and um, I could say a lot more about that, but I won't. I'll just take a moment to make some book recommendations. Because that's what other preachers do. I've seen them do it. Um, <laughs> one, if that, that kind of idea of how your smartphone and, and how it affects you know, life and how it might be bringing you out of the moment. Um, there are two books here, which you're welcome to come and look at afterwards. This book uh, I have read. So this book is called 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You. Um, it's very helpful kind of th theological insights into how having a smartphone and access to the internet affects the way that you think. This one I haven't read, but it's next on my list and is more pertinent to the point I'm making right now, which is called The TechWise Family um, by Andy Crouch. Everyday steps for putting technology in its proper place. And this, this kind of thing of how am I, how am I leading my children um, uh, like this, how are, we, how are we as a family putting technology in the right place is a, is, a, is a huge topic that you could run many parenting courses on. Um, but um, if you're interested in having a look at those books later, then please do. So um, what is the, what's the answer here? Is it hopeless? Is social media hopeless? Um, just to give you a contrasting viewpoint, um, John Piper, uh, who's a famous 
preacher in the U.S. and famous preacher and writer. Um, where he didn't use social media for a long time, and then he started using it, and he wrote he wrote this about it. Um, and he said, "I see two kinds of response to social internet media." Um, one says, these media tend to shorten attention spans, weaken discursive reasoning, lure people away from scripture and prayer, disembody relationships, feed the fire of narcissism, cater to the craving for attention, fill the world with drivel, shrink the soul's capacity for greatness, and make us second-handers who comment on life when we ought to be living them. So boycott them and write books about the problem. The other response says, yes, there is truth in all of that, but instead of boycotting, try to fill these media with as much provocative, reasonable, Bible-saturated, prayerful, relational, Christ-exalting, truth-driven, serious, creative pointers to true greatness as you can. Um, And then he summarizes at the end with saying, in spite of all the dangers, Twitter seems like a risk worth taking. All things were created through Christ and for Christ. The world doesn't know it, but that's why Twitter exists, and that's why I tweet. Um, so that, so I, I personally have abandoned most of social media, um, but John Piper has, has embraced it. Um, so um, without comparing myself uh, or asking you to compare me to John Piper too much, the, the, the thing that I'm trying to say this morning is not either of, is either of those things, is to say that we need to be aware of the effects that these things are having on us, and we need to be wisely, um, wisely aware of those so that we can make the right choices for us. So I've made one call. John Piper's made a very, uh, a very different call. Um, and I think the reason that John Piper has been able to make that call is that he's got uh, this vision of technology that is in, its r- is in its right place. So he's got an understanding of, of his real values um, and he's using that to to use technology well. Um, and this is where uh, later on, uh, Paul, the author of Romans, really helps us um, again. Because later on in, in Romans, shortly after the Romans 12 verse that I read, in Romans 14, he really starts to, to press into uh, how we are called to relate to one another in, in light of what we believe. And so I've actually adapted Romans 14. So... Um, <laughs> I, I, I trust you will, there are people in this room who will, who will stand up and say so if I'm doing, if, <laughs> if I am um, um, heretical, but I don't believe I am. So <laughs> um, let's just read it together. So I've replaced certain words in the Bible, which is not something I generally recommend, but it's for the point of context. Um, so my adaptive version of Romans 14 says this, if your brother or sister is distressed because of what you tweet, you are no longer acting in love. Do not, by your tweeting, destroy someone for, Christ, for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let you, what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of Facebook and Instagram, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of technology. Now, the actual context of this passage is is food. Um, So the words that I've replaced relate to food. Um, And the reason that I've replaced them is it's not really about food, the passage. Um, That's why I felt liberty to replace them. But there's a similar irony here in what Paul is writing into with food than there is with technology. Food throughout the Bible, if you've noticed... Is a, is a massive means of connection 
Okay, it's, me- it's something that's meant to bring us together. It's meant to gather people together. It was huge in biblical times. Meal times were a big kind of family community event. Um, but what the what they come the point they come to in Romans was that they developed lots of rules around food, which were doing the opposite, which were disconnecting people. And so Paul is writing them saying. Food is not the point here. The, 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 the food is not more important uh, than your brothers and sisters. And what I believe he would say to us is that technology is, is not the point. Technology is not the focus. Um, we are meant to be a community uh, that, values, that values people above these things. Um, but the thing that makes us unique as a community is the reason that we value people above these things. Um, and just to hone in, um, in the middle of that passage, um, nope, not that one, there. Um, in the middle of that passage, I've restored the original text, don't worry, um, what Paul actually says is, do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. Um, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy uh, in the Holy Spirit. And in, in writing this, Paul is calling us to be a, a, pe- a, a, people that, a community that value people above food and technology or whatever else might be prominent in the world. Um, a community that is in fact a kingdom uh, with a father who, who reigns over it. Um, we're called to be a, a temple of the Holy Spirit, who's the one who's actually doing this in us and working this in us. Um, and ultimately, the bottom line is that we are a community of people for whom Christ died. Um, because the cross is, where I said before, Twitter is the potential leveler. It gives me access to people. The cross is the great leveler of people. Because the cross both humbles and dignifies. Um, when you understand that you are so broken that the Son of God died in your place for your sins, you are rightly humbled. Uh, But when you understand that you are so loved that the Son of God died in your place for your sins, you are dignified uh, in a helpful way. And when you recognize this in others, when you recognize that, that that is true of others, then nothing else, technology or food or whatever it is, everything else is an insignificant difference to the unity that we have in Christ uh, which is the unity that the Holy Spirit develops in us. So my dream is that the church would be at the forefront of this, of using technology or the things in this world to, to, to build a community uh, and to do it well. Because the world, the world is not oblivious to these things happening. Okay? This, this picture illustrates the world recognizes some of these patterns. Okay, Banksy, as far as I know, he's not a Christian, but the world sees that something is broken. Um, it's, it, it's, there are people, you know, who are, who are realizing this. There are many books um, by many different um, uh, authors of various backgrounds about how do, we, how do we do this, how do we work out how technology fits uh, in our place. But the church, um, uh, I believe, has the unique answer about, about, the kind of, about why we would be a community that puts people above these things. Um, and so we are given um, a choice uh, every day between connection and disconnection. 
um, with one another um, and with the world. And the challenge for us is to look uh, to Jesus, which I believe is the answer. Um, because Jesus, Jesus chose the cross, which was an instrument of torture and in many ways the technology of the day. Um, the Romans used it to isolate, to humiliate, to disconnect people from their loved ones. Um, but Jesus used that as a means of connection, as a means of restoring us to our Father, to restore us, our connection to our Creator, so that we know a Father who loves us, so that we see a Savior who we desperately need, who became like us uh, and walked amongst us um, rather than staying distant. And through the cross, we receive the Holy Spirit who dwells uh, in us and enables us uh, to reflect God in, in, our, in our community. Um, so that's a, the, the response that I recommend. The way that we get technology right in the right place in our lives, or you get anything in the right place in our lives, is to put Jesus in the right place in our lives first. Um, and so I'd love to invite um, Josh up just so we can worship him. And the invitation this morning is, is whether, whether technology or anything else is a particular challenge in this area for you, um, is to recognize the patterns that would put things in, that would jumble things up in your life. Um, and the way to sort that out is to come to him and is to give him your attention and your praise and your worship and enjoy him uh, as better than all these other things.